0: Chumba Casino dot No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey
2: everybody! Before we get into this episode, have you seen any good movies lately? I don't know about you, but whenever I see a good movie, I'm always surprised at the amount of craft that goes in it. The costumes, the dialogue, the music. What's not often clear, though, is how exactly the movie went from an idea in some guy's head to a 30-foot-tall image on screens around the world. But the cool thing is, Next Chapter Podcast just started a new show with the creator of the hit indie filmmaking talent hunt, Project Greenlight, called How I Got Greenlit. Take a second, check out the trailer.
1: Hi, I'm Alex Collegian, creator of Project Greenlight. I have a new film podcast called How I Got Greenlit. Join me and my Emmy Award winning co-host, Ryan Gibson, as we talk about how your favorite films got made and how they made your favorite filmmakers.
2: Every week we interview working professionals to find out how they got started in the industry, learn about their Greenlit moment and
1: discuss a not so famous film that inspires them. We call them B-sides, lesser-known films by famous directors that you haven't seen but probably should. Take Steven Spielberg. We all know Jaws and E.T., so we talk about Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It's an in-depth conversation for casual film fans, industry professionals, and tomorrow's generation of filmmakers.
0: Join us on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. How I Got Greenlit, coming June 28th to a platform near you
2: now let's get back to the podcast
3: the 500 the 500 J. M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition So it ain't nothing to New hundreds more to go And in need of a friend The king of these for Angelo Talking the 500 until the end Talking the 500 until the end With my man J M. On the 500 Talking the 500 until the end
2: Gotta start with Under the Bridge, huh? That's the one. That's the one. And you're gonna hear us talk all about it because we're doing Blood Sugar Sex Magic by Red Hot chili Peppers. It came out in 1991. It's number 310 out of 500 on the 500. Hey, everybody. Subscribe to the Patreon so we'll ask your questions. Patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast helps support the show. For $5 or more a month, we read your questions to guests. Uh, Subscribe to the 500 Podcast YouTube. Videos come out on Thursdays. And I will be doing the goddamn Comedy Jam July 3rd at the Stand in New York City. Come out, come out, wherever you are. It's a big show for me. Oh, josadammyers.com for tickets and follow me on all social media, Josh Adam Myers. This was a fun one. I recorded this one live. Uh, I'm not the biggest Red Hot Sleep Peppers fan. But uh, I'm a fan of this dude. Ryan Long, good buddy of mine, an incredible creator online, uh, hilarious sketches every week. He has an incredible podcast called The Boys Cast. He's just, he's a dude that I should be friends with, and I'm glad I'm friends with him. And it was really cool to have him come over and talk about this episode. Rate, review, and subscribe to The 500 anywhere you listen. Follow me, at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcasts at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group run by Mevin. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcasts.com. All right. You know what time it is. Blood Sugar Sex Magic by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. What? All right. I don't even know how to get started on this because... I I'm I have so many questions about you. Is that like
1: like did you did you do comedy first or did you do music first? M- uh, music. So tell me like about that. So yeah, you started so in Canada. We're not. But uh, I feel like comedy is a better adult uh, life than doing music in a lot of ways. You kind of found a way to do both. But um, but I was always even like kind of we're going to talk about the Chili Peppers. But like one thing about. A lot of bands kind of were funny, you know, like the Beastie Boys were funny. The Chili Peppers were funny, yes. right? Yeah, for So sure. we were kind of like that. And I was in this band that got pretty popular when I was like 18, you know. Mm. So by the time I was in like college, we were kind of had a fan base and we were touring and had playing, record playing, deals and all that stuff. Playing here. big
2: venues. In, yeah, in probably
1: t- our biggest, like at our peak, we would be in like a major city like Toronto or Montreal or something like that. We would sell out like a, we were doing like an o- opera houses. So we would do like, you know, 800 people do a thousand. But then, and then if we were, we would do smaller clubs in like smaller cities, like three, 400, but then we did, you know, I've done some stadium tours with other bands and lots of like package tours. Like who? you- I did. There's this band called Headley in Canada that would, uh,
2: I've heard of them. I was in Vancouver they're and they're a bunch of dudes, there, yeah. a bunch of dudes were like, you got to get into this band. They gave me a song. Oh, no, they're kind
1: of like a pop-punk band for, like, very young girls. Like, they're like... It'd be the equivalent of, like, a Maroon 5 situation. Like, I don't think it'd be up your alley. Don't shit on the first... The first Maroon 5 record has that song Harder to Breathe on it. No, for sure. I mean, these guys had some good songs, too, but it's very... Okay, you know how, uh, in Canada, the kind of all different bands tour together, like, you'll see, like, a pop star with, like, a rap guy, like, because it's it's just smaller, right? So whoever yeah. the f- biggest bands are, they'll do tours together They yeah. kind of seem like they don't match. Well, you'll never see, like, Slayer touring with, you know, Maroon 5 here, right? No, I, you know. But uh, there's a bit more of that. But um, anyways, yeah, we did. <laughs> Slayer with did Maroon 5. We did their tour. I did a bunch of the, like, punk bands that came through, like, uh, Less Than Jake and Real Big Fish and... Uh, Mad caddies, who like I still talk to a lot now. So, all right. so when did anyway, when did yeah, you yeah.
2: when did you start getting into music? Then, like, when did it start? Like in your life?
1: When I was like super young. Yeah, yeah. So, like playing, you know, playing, forced to play piano against my will from the age of seven or eight or whatever. And yeah. then when I probably start when I was like grade six, I was forming stupid bands, doing a ripoff of Rage Against the Machine kind of thing. So wait, you're <laughs> how old are you by the way? Thirty six. You're thirty. Okay, so you're not far off from me so when you what
2: all right this is the best way to put it so you mentioned rage but what was the bands that kind of like pushed you for me it was like of course guns and roses because that okay. was just that was when i was like i just i saw it and i was like that's the coolest this shit changes ever. everything changes everything in my life the second big moment i had was hearing stone temple pilots when i was like 13 and yes. that was when i was like Oh wait! I can sing like that. I can't yeah, I can do, do what Axl Rose can do, <laughs> but I can do. That's my whole act. Yeah, that's my comedy act.
1: But so, what was the band that like propelled? Was Red Hot Chili one of those bands? Sort of. Yeah. I've. Uh, yeah. It's funny that you're like, oh, I could do that. I, I'm the opposite, where I just always been like the. even when I can't, I'm like, I could do that. Like, there's like, (laughs) I have a very, like, you know, I'll see if someone have a TV show. I'm like, I can make a TV show. I can make a souffle. (laughs) I have no idea how to do it. In entertainment, I think. Not anything like that. But, yeah, the um, Red Hot, the two big ones for me was... Rancid, like Time Bomb coming out was yeah, very, dude. like this shapes, uh, this has kind of changed the whole trajectory for me. Rage Against the Machine, like Bulls on Parade, and when, when that first came out, that was back in the days when you ha- I would have the ghetto blaster and then make the tapes you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So I'd stay up and listen to the, whatever, the top, the, the cool radio show at 10. And then when those songs would come on and it was like, whoa, changes everything. So those two bands, Beastie Boys was yeah. one for me that kind of changed everything when I was a little like skateboarder. So, 6, so, 16. so, so
2: like, well, who is, so that's like, cause that's basically what was big in America except for Rancid. We yeah. never, I never had a Rancid moment, but I remember
1: Ruby Soho. There's a lot of guys I feel like in bands that also, They were just like the perfect amount of kind of sugary, but also like they were cool and they were just kind of super hip at the time. So I feel like so many people that are in bands, Rancid was like the number one for them. Yeah. I I just never, are they ska or are they punk? They were a punk band, but they were, you know, they were kind of the crossover without being, you know, they didn't have horns and they weren't goofy. See, that's where you lose me.
2: Yeah. That's when you lose me, dude. <laughs> yeah. You lose me when when you got like real big <laughs> fish and mighty mighty boss stones. Also, if you have a guy that just dances with like a stick, like if you <laughs> yeah. have that dude,
1: skanking is crazy. <laughs> oh, that's oh yeah, I forgot. That's a that whole thing. Yes, yeah. Pogo, I'm fine with Pogo. I have the two tone tattoo on my arm though. Oh, for, selector, oh, I'm so sorry. Fast so forward selector, <laughs> but that's that's basically like the specials in that whole movement. Well, the ska was very cool, right? Because it was you know like reg, you know Jamaican reggae kind of meets British punk, right? And that's kind of there. That's why there's all these like waves of it but um for some reason that sound like even now when i look back there are certain like less than jake songs where whenever they come on my spotify that's a never switch really <laughs> yeah 311 at the time but I, oh that wait, was no dude oh, you, just, you said voldemort dude when that you might came, as well you hate them right
2: i just had friends that i grew up that were obsessed with them in high school and, right, I, yeah, and yeah. I couldn't get past them
1: when i when that first came out that was another one it was all of the bands that were kind of like sort of fun, but like re- either funky or reggae influenced rappy kind of thing. I feel like that defines what my, you know, at the time I was like, yo. Whereas almost like the bands like Metallica that were big at the time, I was kind of like, I was like, yeah, I think they're cool or Nirvana. I would probably be into them just by virtue of being 12 and they were the biggest band, but never really actually liked them. I was faking it. So, yes, because you kind of missed the grunge movement. Those six years, those six years are a big six years for me. If you're... No, I was 12 during that time or whatever, you know, like in... I I had all the shirts and stuff. Like, no, I was part part of that.
2: Do do you remember when this record came out? Do you remember like... I
1: would have been... This would have been a little before. That's why probably when One Hot Minute came out, that's like when I was more online. Blood Sugar Sex Magic came out. I don't know. I guess we could What was well, the year? was well, the year? What year did it the come The year out?
2: Did this this came out. This came out in 1991. How old were you? 6. <laughs> so that's too young for me, right?
1: But, I mean, I, that's when I got into like Iron Maiden. Well, I, you're pretty cool with that meeting it. That was fucking cool. Josh dude. Adam Meyer is like, well, yeah, yeah, I just got into Iron Maiden when I was four, and the <laughs> dude, I had, I remember up on
2: my wall, I had a poster, I had a poster of Six Guns Dogs. and Roses, Guns and Roses. I had a poster of that's Iron be Maiden. of that right? No, not at all. No, not at all, dude. I, I like my dad was a big jazz dude so that's what introduced me like miles uh he wasn't really into soul he was very like you know like black jazz but whitewashed kind of like singers i think it was like the tony bennett's the crooners okay yeah which i've grown to love i love frank sinatra yeah i'm doing a record my way's a banger dude there's songs for swinging lovers which we're about to do on the podcast like is it's legit it's yeah. it's such a perfect record that you're like because there's times for everything there's times for rage against the machine when you're like you got a big show or yeah. you, you're going to a fucking sporting event or whatever you gotta break up with your girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> fuck you i won't do what you tell me you're just out her window like ah, holding yeah. the boom box no I, I but then there's like like you know I listened to like, I love like massive attack. I love hip hop. I love everything. And it, my dad was so set in his ways of the music. He listened to my mom, barely listened to music. So I just, I don't know what it was. I just started gravitating towards it. Cause we'd go to the mall and I'd see the record stores or maybe it was like, I saw my dad just listening to records. I was like, I want to do
1: that, but this shit's lame. Or you're just such a sick dude. You just intuitively knew. I was very... Yeah, they were... uh, So when I got it, I did, when One Hot Minute came out, I think it was like my uncle who showed me it to it. And and I was, that was like a game changer for me, like aeroplane, which now, it's just pretty funny because I I thought we talked about this and you were saying One Hot Minute, but now that I realize you're doing the... Of course, the podcast is the 500... Uh, top it. albums, and I was like, "Yeah, well, obviously, because this was—I didn't realize at the time—was very well, like, panned by you know, album sales and critics, and yeah. everyone hated it.
2: Well, it's—it's not that they—it's not that they, it's not that they it had it. the new guitar okay, so, player, all right, right? So, so just so I can just full disclosure to the Fleece Army, all the people listening, uh, Ryan thought we were doing One Hot Minute,
1: which is kind of funny, but also this <laughs> song, the album we are doing had probably my favorite Red Hot Chili Pepper song on it, which is uh, Mellow Ship, Slinky and Be Made. Really? I, I think that was, I, I remember the that being like an early song that I heard. And I know it wasn't a big single, but I remember that just being like, dude, they were the most like in the pocket band, right? What do you mean? What do you mean? Okay, so I felt like a lot of the bands that were, Doing sort of like a funky rap thing this had that like metal influence where it was very like Like yeah, so to me like all of the funky bands Everything was funky right and they were probably one of those bands that was changing it where it's like the singing was rap and the drumming Was almost like metal infused I'm not gonna say it
2: for this album. And I think everything from here on, yes. The stuff that I heard, because my experience with like Red Hot Chili Peppers was you go to the record store and you'd see the album cover for Mother's Milk. And it's just that woman and like her titties are out. And I think the bands out there are like real small. And I was like, what is that? And. I don't know how I saw the music video but I saw them do music videos were so sick they were so sick but this was this was for uh I can't stop high and I don't know, say but higher ground yeah and that's a Stevie Wonder song but that, so that song already I was like ooh I like this song because it's a legendary song by Stevie Wonder I didn't know it was Stevie Wonder's at that point yet and I was interested in them but I would say everything pre this record is just straight rock funk it's like very parliament oriented uh like parliament funkadelic because parliament wait funkadelic
1: is more acid jazz see what you're saying but like okay if you take a band like alice and chains and kind of you know those kind of bands i feel like faith no more like i guess if you're saying that's like rock funk but there was there was to me like chad smith he was he was not he was like funky sometimes, but it was like these big like metal style kind of hits a lot of times, which, but I know what you're mean too. Keep this in mind, keep this in mind. uh, Chad, I'm pretty sure Chad only, this is
2: the album that he started in. Yeah, because I'm looking at Mother's Milk right now.
1: This is also something that you might disagree with me, but I always really liked the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and there's two things. One, to me, they were kind of like one of the most bands that I liked, liked, liked. And then for some reason, when I think of it now, it's like, like I think the California phase just like ruined them for me, <laughs> the, the like California yeah. albums. Yeah. No. And you're right. I really, I remember them being like, it's almost like I forgot. Like I would kind of, someone would be like the Chili Peppers, and I'd kind of be like, ugh. And it's like I almost forgot that for eight years I was like this huge fan because of the way well, they made they, a
2: shift. They made <laughs> a shift, and they yeah. and they what they got away like this record it became so formulaic. Is the something. beginning of. Where either this is this is the record that made them one of the biggest bands in the world. Yeah, this record I know.
1: Nobody gave up. Not gave nobody gave. Dude, nobody... they had back to back Weird Al covers. You got to be popular to have. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> what else did they do? Wait, what did we? They do? Had give it away. Okay, but oh. But what did we I, do? you know what uh it was it was one cover where he did a medley because he goes sometimes i feel like i need a vacation and then it turns into giving away and it's about the uh, flintstones okay <laughs> you don't remember that i don't i remember that i remember the the vacation one i don't remember the other one oh my one. god i feel like so many bands i got into them through weird al <laughs> I, well,
2: I i i it's weird because the first but <laughs> a du- di- du- du-
1: du- Barney rumble <laughs> you know I don't
2: remember at it all. It was, this, would, this would be the perfect time for to Peter to add it right
1: cave, now.
2: man. <laughs> I love Weird Al though. UHF.
1: a bedrock. Yeah, yeah. did, did Was UHF a big movie for you? Hell oh, yeah, dude. Oh. I'm like a. It has one of the best jokes. One of my favorite jokes that like always stick with me. All these whenever there's like a really silly joke, but it's it's such a banger, um, he, he shows up uh, with like a really stupid hat on, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? And then they're like, you look ridiculous, take that off. And then he goes, okay. And he takes off his mustache. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, that's, that's such a quotable movie. <laughs> well, well, big ups to, to Weird Al for
2: covering them twice.
1: Yeah. Um, and then I'll tell you one more of my initial uh, things that I, I've always disagreed with people about Chili Peppers, even when I like them. What's that? Is everyone, and this is the same as uh what's the dr- drummer from led zeppelin's name again? John Bonham. John Bonham, right. I, I as I was like a drummer, right? And then everyone was always telling me like how great Chad Smith is and I was I just didn't get it. I was like, yeah, it's like cool, but it just doesn't, I don't get what he's doing different from anyone else. It's kind of like I, I was never like I was thought it was cool, but it just wasn't like impressive to me that everyone's was always raving and he's you know it's always best drummer and he's in all the magazines and it was every drummer being like he's my favorite drummer and I'm like why I don't get it yeah what's tell you tell me what's
2: so sick about it I, I, I to be honest with you I have no idea why i never even really heard him in the discussion as great drummers when you're talking about really bon- yeah when you're talking about Bonham are you talking I feel like about it's the same
1: thing it's like Bonham and Chad Smith I I, are I, th- same. I think. Like everyone knows I think the no real
2: argument them. is why are Red Hot Chili Peppers one of the biggest bands in the world when so many people hate them? They're like the, they didn't
1: hate them back then. I don't think no, not. Not
2: now. Not now. This you have to all right here. Let's let's do. We have a little. Let's I got a little like they do
1: get they they got a little bit into the corny. I mean maybe they're fans or something. Like I mean that's what happens with bands like Sublime is their legacy became so corny that like a lot of people are turned off by it.
2: Never like Sublime. I hate all that. Like, yeah, you white, know, like I hate white. Reggae, so you don't dude. like
1: my statement that Chad Sexton's the top drummer. That's a three eleven. I can
2: appreciate <laughs> the musicianship of the guys in three eleven.
1: I don't really like the. I, 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 like I can't appreciate. I can't
2: appreciate any of the
1: songwriting c- 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 nah, covered like a nightmare
2: <laughs> fuck the bullshit it's time to throw <laughs> <laughs> damn, damn, damn. Dude,
1: there's this one video where they're playing live on Letterman and they're just wearing the dumbest outfits and the guy who raps he just he does this weird thing where he walks there's like these it's like this legendary performance where he walks around the stage with his straight legs like I, 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 look it up but he, he just goes like almost like a a German soldier marching and he just does that for three minutes straight while he's rapping and it's just the stupidest thing and you're just like, what is this? These guys are so awesome. I actually
2: like them more for that. I think that's so like <laughs> so, so lame. They're so lame. So
1: dark, I man. met him
2: at I met him at <laughs> what fuck, what was that Oh, I went to go see uh Prophets of Rage uh before Rage got back together okay. at the forum. And I was in like the Lexus Club, which is like where they have all the free food. It's like for the VIP people. And after the show, he was walking out, the lead singer, Nick Hexum, Is that his name? Of three eleven. three eleven, I went up to him. I was like, hey man, do you mind? Sicaron or do the mind? other guy? No, the the main dude, not the rapper.
1: Okay, he be, he became the Soprano. He stopped rapping and he just sings really high now. <laughs>
2: dude, I go up to him and I'm like, I'm like, hey man, do you want to get a picture with you? And he's like, yeah, of course, always for a fan. And I go, oh, I'm not a fan, but my friends were. And
1: I just go like, <laughs> dude, the, the other the rapper guy must have been so bummed out when like, cause he, I don't think he writes the songs. And the other guy who sent him the probably the new album we're working on, and he's like. Notice that there's no rapid on this one. spit <laughs> like, right sing. here. There's a good little section of instrumentation <laughs> yeah. here. He's like, oh, "I don't know, you can sing backup vocals now. <laughs> the fact that they're still
2: making music. My friends are buying it. Johnny <laughs> Quinn is buying it.
0: Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At u s. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call. Working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov/careers. What's up, everyone? This is Jay Reason, and I want to let you all know that Diablo Zen Podcast is now part of the Sound Talent Media family. Listen in as me and the one and only Danny Diablo, a.k.a. Lord Ezak, interview artists from the hardcore punk, metal, hip-hop scenes, and beyond.
2: We have conversations with guests like actor Peter Green, DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill, L.A. street photographer Estevan Oriol, Jimmy G from New York City's legendary Murphy's Law, and pro wrestler Vampiro, to name a few. If you're a fan of good discussions and lots of laughs, tune in and join the fun.
1: All yeah, right. but um, so so here I have a little. Let's
2: this is a little biography on the Red Hot Chili Peppers because there's like there's a bunch of changes and stuff. All right, so they form in Los Angeles in '83. The original lineup of Anthony Kiedis on vocals, Flea on the bass. Ultimate
1: in LA music.
2: Very. This is they I mean, they're rooted. They all went to Fairfax Hollywood High. Rock. Hillel yeah. Slovak on guitar, Jack Irons on drums. They're classmates at Fairfax High School. Uh, their original name was Tony Flo and the Miraculously Majestic Masters of Mayhem. So that gives you kind of an idea of what... I mean, you could tell what these guys were like. You know, they partied, they fucking surfed, they skated. They're lost... A- yeah, dude, they're lost ages. They were
1: kind of like... You remember when, like, Dirt Nasty and those guys came out and they yeah. were, like, Hollywood rap? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the Avalon. Yeah. It's like they were that for, like, rock. They were just, like... This is like Hollywood as a sound. You know what I mean? The so, scene. that's what a shitty sound, dude. <laughs> my dick. Bah, 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 bah. I used to play that at the strip club. I like club. those guys too, dude. I don't, I
2: don't dislike them because I, I think I actually appreciate- Well, you're, a
1: cool, too, you're like a cool rock metal no, guy. No, I like, I like it cool all, dude. I like it all.
2: I, I just, there, the 311 was, if, dude, if my friends never listened to 311, I'd be like, it's a cool band. Do you like reggae? I love reggae, but I like, I love Bob, of course. Yeah, I love Toots, Toots
1: and the Maytals, mm-hmm. one of the best. Seeger, uh, you love Bob Seeger, Toots. Love
2: Bob Seeger. I love, uh, so I love every dude. I mean, look, I have Otis Redding, I have Miles you don't like Davis. You do like the cult
1: of personality around 311.
2: I just don't like that. it reminds me of the alpha maleness of the guys that I grew up with that oh, were okay. homophobic and and just so Maryland and so and I love all <laughs> of them but it, it's it doesn't elicit. I guess it more just makes me think of how I felt back then. I didn't start really getting to shine until I got out of that group and started going to raves (laughs) and doing ketamine and shit like that. All the shit prior. I was just this little guy that was like the funny dude. Yeah. yeah. Like they didn't dig music. Like, dude, it's like, I love them. I feel like I'm shitting on them right now. And I, I'm I'm so cool with every single one of them, but you know, they're all, they're, you guys were lame. If you listen to if if
1: your favorite band's 311 and you're over twenty, it's yeah, kind of corny. Johnny Quinn, you hear that, buddy? Okay, guys, I want to
2: tell you guys about a new show from Next Chapter Podcast and basketballnews.com called the Rex Chapman Show. I love basketball, and next chapter has a true sports legend on their roster, former NBA All-Star Rex Chapman, to keep us all in the loop on the world of basketball with a side of Hollywood. In his post-playing career, he has been called the king of Twitter and one of the funniest people doing it. So along with his co-host, actor Josh Hopkins from Cougartown, True Detective and CSI Miami, Rex interviews his friends like Steph Curry and Steve Kerr from the Golden State Warriors, as well as guests like comedian Gary Goldman and legendary broadcaster Gus Johnson. Listen to the Rex Chapman show, wherever you get your podcasts or visit basketballnews.com to watch videos of the show. And now back to my show.
1: You know what? I, you said you went to the Prophets of rage show. So I went to the chicken foot concert. Wow. My, so my body was tour managing with them at the time. And, um, so I went to, and we, we were hanging out backstage or whatever. And I watched it and I was behind Chad Smith. It was in Toronto at the sound Academy. And uh, so big place. And the thing I'm, I was into stick twirls. That was like my whole thing. Like yeah. I spent like a lot, like, you know, Hours and hours. Were you a guitarist or drummer? Drummer. You were a drummer? Okay. But the amount of time, you know, I would spend just hours working on these little tricks, like a magician sort of that would, right? Yeah. Tommy Lee fingers, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) I was, I was big into all that. I would throw the sticks and, but so Chad Smith, the thing that I'll never forget. And again, I do like him and I do like his drumming. I just don't get why everyone says he's so great. But the, he would, he had this bucket of sticks attached to his, uh, his, his floor tom, right? And he would play. And when he would, he would, he would hit the stick and just throw it in the air as far as he can and pick up a stick. So it was not a trick. He didn't throw it and catch it. He would just, he would be drumming and he would just throw the stick in the air and then pick another one and keep drumming it. And he would throw like eight sticks a song. And it was just, there was no, it was just like the funniest thing to do. You just, so we went over the set. He goes through like. 40 sticks he just but he didn't break him or anything he's just playing hits the, hits the snare out to the, the stick, audience or just out to like whatever's him.
2: behind him oh uh, okay yeah he
1: just it's it. kind of cool it was so, it's, yeah. it's good it was very dude, like I, I don't give a fuck kind of move i went to go see i, D- I, I went to go see
2: i went to go see diva the other night at pier 17 and my buddy who's been on the podcast josh freeze is their drummer and he's played with nine inch nails played with the vandals uh-huh. he's just he's this session dude and but he's a permanent drummer in Devo. And all I want to do is watch him because just watching him, how he's got his groove and everything. And I think that's yeah. the thing
1: about Chad is he looks something cool about him. There's
2: something cool about him because yeah. he looks like a dad. He's got dad face. He's they got a little feral face. Cool. They
1: were one of the first bands where it was like kind of every member had its own thing that, you know, all knew all their names. Yeah, I like, there was a lot of bands, you know, two guys like, you know what I mean? And not well, that the first one. There's lots like that, but they were they were one of the bands where you actually every every uh, member of the band kind of has their own little thing going and on. And
2: yeah, that's that's perfect. That's that's perfect to lead us into this because there this isn't so the album prior to all of this uh, is they've got so Slovak and this guy Irons. So two other guys fill in for them. Uh, and they on the Chili pepper self-titled de- debut in 84. Uh, their second record, Freaky Styly, comes out in 85, produced by George Clinton. So they're influenced by the funk, all that shit. And he brought out that side of them. Yeah, I've listened to that recently, and it's very funky. The album wasn't commercially successful, and they went back to the drawing board with Jack Irons back on the drums, releasing the third record, The Uplift Mojo Party Plan, in 87. See, so this is where they start getting a little bit of shine. They get to 148 on the Billboard chart, there's a big boost. Compared to the first two releases, blah blah blah. It's about that time there you go. It's about that time that Ketis and Hillel developed serious drug addictions, sometimes disappearing for days on end. After the tour finished for Uplift, Slovak OD'd and died soon after. Then uh Irons, the drummer. Uh, couldn't take it, so he left the band. Kiedis was so shook he disappears to Mexico for a month and missed the funeral. Because he didn't I, re- I read about that. He didn't want to accept that his friend died. Uh soon the band was introduced to teenage guitarist John Frusciante. Now this is this is the reason people don't like uh one minute. Yes. Yeah. I was gonna say this is why people that's why there's like lost years with the Chili Peppers. Like they, they had such a streak and then Frushante leaves this is the second time he left and they have this this other dude I think he was like the roadie like join in and he started playing like they weren't they were writing new music David
1: Navarro's cool though yeah but him <laughs> you and, must know I, him that's like all. I don't know him oh, I don't really? know him. doesn't that seem like the type of guy you'd be friends with Really, you think I'd be with like yeah, a, you goth, know a goth, a kind of, sex symbol? Well, yeah, you, that yes, you kind of know all these like Hollywood. I would be weird around him. I would just guys, be like, no? I'd be
2: like, oh my god, he's so sexy. It's like he's the alpha in the room. Whatever you want.
1: Hollywood, and you kind of know all those guys, and you you know you do the your show. Like I'm sure, like I don't know. It just seems. Could I be alley. friends with with him? <laughs> I love Dave's listening. Dave, if you're listening.
2: <laughs> Dude, I'm in, bro. I'm in. <laughs> um, all right, where, where was I? Okay, so after the tour finished uplifts, uh, Slovak deed, blah, 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 blah. Soon the band was introduced to teenage guitarist John Frusciante, and he started touring with the group in 88. They briefly had the Dead Kennedys drummer, uh, but found Chad Smith in an audition. Flea said they had instant chemistry, so then the newest version goes on to record the album before this, their fourth record, Mother's Milk, in 89. Now, that goes to 52 on the Billboard What's 200. What's the
1: biggest song for Mother's Milk?
2: I think higher ground. Okay. Uh, don't stop. A D, but that's the yeah. only one I remember, but All I right. listened to it. It's, it's, it's funky, but now you're starting to get John for is a, is a very talented guitarist, man. I, I don't know a lot about him, but what I do know is that he spends a lot of time with the Mars Volta guys, the at the driving dudes yeah. and Omar, the guitarist for that band, you know, they, they just like, Freshante wanted to get away from the music that kind of made them popular. Mm-hmm. They both had one album. They had Relationship of Command with at the Drive In. And then John only had well, he had, I guess he had Mother's Milk and then this record, and then was like, I don't want to keep playing this music. I want to play something different. I want to do this out there shit. And so he's talented. Like he's But he's, yeah,
1: he didn't want to play like funk riffs. <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, right, so here we are. We're caught up for now today's record. Um, all right, before I get into that. To the facts about the record. Background on it. you See, this is their fifth record. The style differed notably from the band's previous album, Mother's Milk, reducing the use of heavy metal guitar riffs. Oh, so you were right. You were more right than I was. Yeah, heavy metal riffs, uh accenting uh the melodic songwriting contributions of guitarist John Freshante. Just like I said. The album subject subject the thing matter that
1: was funky about them was Flea.
2: Yeah. But I think also in contrast with John Freshante's guitar. John yeah, dude, yeah. John's Uh, This is the thing And we're gonna get into this When we start talking about One Hot Minute But you know Is that Is that they are a The reason people didn't dig One Hot Minute It's not a bad record But they gave you This This Is In my opinion Before I even get into Any details about how they wrote it Or anything This is the Perfect The way that Rage Against the Machine Mixed Rock With hip hop this is the this is the best in the history of music, the best mixing of rock and um, and uh, funk. This is rock funk. Yeah, this is taking what George Clinton taught them. And then adding what Rick Rubin does, because they got arguably Rick Rubin is a producer that kind of like comes in and like, hears the rawness of the sound. And he's like, well, we need to what really makes this pop is this drum with that and his voice, like what he did with Johnny Cash, what he did with the Avett brothers. Like he takes a band, hears something and then is able to like expand that out and make it. I mean, I feel like everybody he's t- he's ever worked with has always made their best record with Rick Rubin. Okay. You know what I mean? So hold on. So before we get any more, um, so they pick Rick Rubin, Where should I talk about this first? All right, so the band Stiff, blah, blah, blah. The style different notably. Uh, the album Subject Matter incorpor- Incorporates sexual innuendos, references to drugs and death, as well as themes of lust and exuberance. 25 songs were recorded. 17 made the cut. The most notable to be cut uh, was Soul to Squeeze, which I don't know if you remember, uh, that, that was on the, uh, Conehead soundtrack. Okay. I got a bad disease. Boom, doom, doom, doom. doom. All right. So they pick Rook Rubin to produce. He was more broad minded than people than the band had worked with in the past, even though Rubin had turned down the chance to produce their 87 record, the uplift mojo party plan due to the drug problems of Kiedis and Hillel. Uh, Unlike Pepper's previous producers, Rubin was someone the band felt confident in to ask for guidance and input during times of difficulty. He would often help arrange drum beats, guitars, and melodies. They also, and this is where it gets weird, they actually recorded it at Harry Houdini's Old House. And the, That's cool. And the Peppers decided they would remain inside the mansion for the duration of the recording, though according to Ketus, Smith was convinced the location was haunted and refused to stay. Smith himself disputes his account and instead claims the real reason he did not stay at the mansion was because he wanted to be with his wife. But also... <laughs> Yeah, dude, he's a family man, dude. That's so
1: funny. He's like, uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, no, I just have like a family, so I can't like sleep. I can't have sleepovers with you guys uh, for the next two months. And they're like, the the tabloids are like, he's afraid of ghosts.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, for Shante also didn't want to stay there
1: either. I'm pretty sure. Hold on, there were definitely ghosts. Blah blah blah. The I mean, name- that shit is. I get it if you're like, if you have like a somewhat real life and everyone's like hey we're gonna uh all stay and sleep here for the next two months and you're like yeah i mean i live 10 minutes away so probably just gonna drive home
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> dude, you know my bedroom is like yeah I think it's a 10 I, minute drive i'll tell you what you guys have fun but uh I want to look at what Rick Rubin else has produced.
1: So no, that's get... like the, yeah, Anthony Kiedis is like, come on, guys. It'll be like a fun party. We'll watch movies and stuff.
2: Well, they're all off. They're all off drugs now at this point. I think Flea is sober, and I'm pretty sure Anthony Kiedis is sober.
1: Yeah, he gets he's pretty off and on with the drugs. Yeah.
2: Right? Uh, so looking at the, the stuff that Rick Rubin has produced before this, well, one, he did Andrew Dice Clay D- uh, Dice, which was like, one of his best records he did tougher than leather by run dmc did slayer south of heaven uh public enemy yo bum rush the show it takes a nation to hold us back i mean this guy beastie boys ll cool j this is he did I mean, yeah dude this guy is like arguably one of the best record producers at the time when i think like you he was one of those famous record producers like Who kind think of is
1: the best now dr luke <laughs> Is that the guy that molests everybody? (laughs) Some pop songs. Yeah, he had some controversy. I don't know how much about that, but he made like you know twenty-five of the last like forty big number-one hits or whatever.
2: I don't know. I don't even know who my favorite producer would be right now. I always love anything Trent Reznor does, but he doesn't really produce other people's records. Um, But I love his sound. Uh, I think the best producer is uh, the dude that works with Radiohead, and I can't think of his name right now. God damn it.
1: It's not David Gilmore, but I'm like, I know that's... I don't have an extensive knowledge of producers, necessarily. Well, why would
2: you ask me that, then? Why were you so... In- Nigel Godrich? I was close. I was like, who was I saying? I was like... I was like, Jimmy McGillicuddy. Um, all right, but looking at what he's produced, Rick Rubin... I mean, in the 90s, dude, it's Danzig, Sir Mix-a-Lot, Andrew Dice Clay Again, Slayer, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Ghetto Boys... Black Crows, Shake Your Money Maker. I mean, he's got a good sound, and what he's gone on to do is incredible. I'm pretty sure he's done every Red Hot Chili Pepper since System of a Down. He does like he can do anything from System of a Down to Cheryl Crow, to LL Cool J, to Slayer, to, to AC/DC. Like yeah, he also exactly. produced One Hot Minute.
1: Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. He, he produced One Hot Minute. So, I mean, yeah, he's just done so much.
2: So th- this record. From all this stuff, you couldn't even recite one of the songs that was on Mother's Milk, because to us, the journey
1: of Red Hot Chili Peppers starts, I think, here. This yeah, for is- For me, the first like big song that I know was Give It Away and Suck My Kiss. <laughs>
0: Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11.
2: Do you remember seeing the music video for Give It Away? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just everything Like you said that-, that but not, the, Again, like not when it came out. But when it came out, it was fucking different. It's like it's like psychedelic. They're all dressed in gold yeah. with the horns. They were branded. Imagery was very. Perfect. Cool. They were, they, for what they were and what they fucking represent. Yeah. The weirdness, like you said, that California, you know, but also, the skater. It's but like, also
1: not taking itself too seriously at all. Yeah. I mean, they went out there with cock socks. But that's what I mean. Like a lot of bands were doing, you know, a version of that that was like somewhat pretentious who else would you say would be the contemporary that's doing something like that? Um, let's say all of the metal bands. I think, I mean, I mentioned like Alice in Chains and bands like that, but they, they kind of had all that imagery of like, uh, weird, like animals in the videos and stuff like that. Yeah. Like a lot of, a lot of of the black and white kind of like color graded, like, uh, very contrasted in the music videos. Yeah. um, but it, to me, it'd be like more of a metal band that I'm thinking of, and that that's kind of another thing where I'm like, yeah, they were doing, they were almost doing. I know I keep kind of saying there's like this metal influence, but like they they almost like their music videos were kind of like that.
2: Yeah, they were. They were. Um, under the bridge is just him walking. Not under a bridge, of obviously. I with that. But either. I don't remember the music video for "Suck My Kiss,"
1: but I remember "Give It Away." "Suck My Kiss" same sort of. It was almost like a Beastie Boysy sort of thing with that one. "Suck My Kiss" very Boys, Beastie yeah. Boysy.
2: Um, I "Give It Away" is because I, I want to hold off on "Under a Bridge" yet because that's that's the song, that's the one. That's
1: was that the one from the album that kind of like propelled them to like the biggest band ever? Kind yeah. Of thing? So. God there's so
2: much like, I have a whole fucking section About Frashantae leaving Because he leaves After this record We'll get to that After that But so right, So going through the record The first couple songs Are like Are like You know Just
1: regular the, We said rock funk But then they get to Breaking the girl The first couple songs Are very much like uh, Blasting To like If you're about to go on If you're in your car It's like it's almost like the type of music that at the time let people know like, yo, I'm a cool guy. (laughs) That's a pretty good
2: impression. Thank you very much, dude. That's just freestyle. And I, I, give me, give me a couple minutes to come up with a good one. I used
1: to do the videos for this website called the hard times. And I, I, uh, uh, they were, it, they they had they probably had like ten art like ten it was kind of like a satire site about music right? yeah and they had like ten about uh red hot chili peppers like red hot chili peppers new album is just the Wikipedia page for uh, California <laughs> <laughs> like
2: take like a go. right on Fairfax do left on Beverly and then you're gonna <laughs> go straight gonna pass Cantus then you're yeah. gonna pass Fairfax High
3: School
1: I feel like if you look and uh, there's probably lots of fans like this but and part of it is that they're young and whatever but. I know under the bridge was you know fairly poetic, but like a lot of the lyrics are very like <laughs> fucking parable. <terrible. laughs> like you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, right, <laughs> look at me here. I'm with this plant, and I don't know. I just can't. But like, here's none of the here, things like make anything sense. No, and, and this is the
2: thing. This is the thing. This is what I remember hearing this what in an interview. What you gonna
1: do and what you gonna say? <laughs> and I'm here and I'm gonna be down by the bay. And I, I just I Lucy even... come down with the shoes on crooked. <laughs> Never get shook, but shook. Get took it Coming on, <laughs> on back
2: With your bubble gum strip Blood <laughs> sugar sex magic. Yeah yeah exactly It's very easy To sing like Like him It's, it's <laughs> well, basically What I do on stage Every night is Yeah yeah Anthony. A
1: little Well he was I mean that was A big thing About Anthony Kiedis Wasn't he very Like notoriously Can't sing in tune Right
2: Well this is the album That Rick Working with Rick Rubin Was the first producer it that auto tune like, He was the No it wasn't even Auto tune He What's cool about And this is what I'll give it up For uh, Anthony Kiedis As a singer Because he's the One that's developed the most for Shante is still Still an incredible key, though. Yeah, but he's he knows his limitations of where he can sing. He sings perfectly in "Breaking the Girl." It's a beautiful song. But have you heard it?
1: But I'm saying live.
2: I don't think I've ever seen Red Hot Chili Peppers live. Oh
1: well, there is more than any other band. There is just compilation after compilation of Anthony Kiedis singing off tune because that's uh, allegedly he is in all of the albums they you know he was one of the he was the original auto-tune guy he's the original t-pain
2: <laughs> i'm trying to pull up videos that you're saying
1: <laughs> just type in anthony the singing off key oh. but yeah the people would like it was one of those things i think there was a scandal once where a sound guy released the audio like you know and that happens the the uh, the untuned audio from the show i love that stuff i think now they probably have you know auto-tunes in in, in the mix live but, uh, yeah, he notoriously can't sing on key. Here we go. Isolated vocals. Let me just get a little taste
0: of this. here with the isolated
2: vocals for
3: Californication,
2: Anthony Kiedis' The Red Hot Chili Peppers. What? Mounds of Lisha little girls from Sweden
1: dream of silver screen quotation okay this is the isolated California. vocals this isn't the raw i know vocals. i'm trying to but yeah. there's
2: not as many of them on here as you would think you made it sound like this was going to be a cornucopia oh God, find you find one play it.
1: i've seen a hundred I, uh, I, I
2: want to say this about about his vocals is that when he does the the rap
1: hippity bippy maybe his thing, people got rid of them <laughs> maybe they got him scrubbed he got, he got, he,
2: they brendan shawed them they fucking cleaned <laughs> the they house they might have clean the Fucking <laughs> pf changs man um I, I listen, I can't I'm not gonna sit here and shit on his voice because I think I'm he not knows sure about his voice. I think he's... I know what he I know what he knows that what he can sing is like that. That nasally he doesn't have a very big range, but when he does sing on this record, like he actually sounds really good. Like Breaking the Girl is a fucking incredible song. Uh, Give It Away is still that same shit he's done before. Under the Bridge. Under the Bridge is probably their most iconic track.
1: Oh my god yeah this is so i did find a a few of them but i'm but more importantly on the top thing it's uh john versante doing an interview a year ago saying "John versante about anthony kiedis he doesn't know anything about music he's back (laughs) on the band now this is the thing they dude he's back in the band (laughs) but he's trashing him
2: well all right so before we get into that here i'll tell you there's a little there's a little factoid about this so uh like Kurt Cobain for Shante wasn't a fan of all of the fame because dude they blew up here. Let me read the facts from this record. This album sold. 15 million copies worldwide peaked at number three on the U S billboards, 200 and produced five singles. It also propelled the chili peppers to worldwide popularity and critical claim. All right. So where was I? What? So for is not a fan of all the fame that came with the major success of an album like that and would have preferred to remain an underground band. According to ketis he entered a state of denial and depression. He began to lose all, all of the manic, happy-go-lucky, fun aspects of his personality. Even on stage, there was much more serious energy around him. he began to form grudges against his bandmates. He saw the band's newfound popularity
1: as shameful. You ever felt like that? Why? Why did he feel that way? I'm thinking like... He just thought they were too like corny for him now? Yeah. On stage
2: tension started to show in multiple ways. Kiedis recalled an argument after a show in New Orleans. We had a sold out house and John just stood in the corner barely playing his guitar. We came off stage and John and I got into it. When the tour went to Europe for broke the band's unwritten rule of bringing a girlfriend along. When they when the European tour took a break Bring the band, a
1: girlfriend on tour wins. Yeah. That's a bit that's a bit weird. Uh, yeah, I hate it. I mean, right. not when you're maybe like 45, but when you're kind of like young and in the mix, that's nuts.
2: What do you think about, like, I got this show in Cancun that I do for JFL. Yeah. And the band wants to bring, well, one of the guys in the band wants to they bring want his wife. They want to turn wife. it into a vacation. They want to bring their wives. and I I'm mean, just-
1: that's a one one-off is like way more reasonable
2: than a tour. I kind of think it changes the energy of the trip. On I mean, the energy, on the trip, it's like, we're all friends. We're just, we just we're being homies. You we want to be a boy's trip. I just want to be a boy's trip. Yeah.
1: So, agreed. Then, yeah, one girl coming. But, the, but I also get the idea of, like, as adults, him being like, no, I'm going to turn this into, like, a trip with my chick. Like, whatever, right? But...
2: But then it's like it just takes away from them yeah, it's, practicing it's, it's, and oh, it's
1: definitely oh, it's definitely worse. But bring it on a tour is
2: worse. <laughs> yeah, oh no, I, I couldn't imagine. That. I couldn't imagine having a girl on That'd tour. It's
3: crazy. Yeah.
2: And this is a European tour, so they barely can people like <laughs> and they're like, All right, goddamn you know, it. She's less, like what are they saying? Less van space. Yeah. She's got picky eating habits. <laughs> so they're, they're in Europe. It took a break to play Saturday Night Live. Things are tearying further during a performance of Under the Bridge. Keita said he was experimenting the way he would have had we been rehearsing the tune. Well, we weren't. We were on live TV in front of millions of people and it was torture. I started singing in and what I thought was the key he was playing in, I felt like it was getting stabbed in the back, hung out to dry in front of all of America while this guy was off in the corner in the shadow playing some dissonant out-of-tune experiment. I wanna see this.
1: That's what Keita said about Frashanta. Yeah, hold on. I wanna I I wanna find this. And this is peak, like they just became the most popular band in the world. Yeah. Under the bridge. Hold on. Let's see, it's here. Let's hear a little taste of that. Mo money, more problems, huh? Do you find that you find it um, like that? Like, I the mean more, the more like... success I have and I've 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 been up and down with different things a few times in my life, and my life is definitely harder. Uh like that idea that, you know, it's just you know things get easier as you get bigger it's like my life's by far harder more hectic more stressful uh than it was yeah you know, before um but i i i don't uh but you
2: kind of know that going into this that yeah, it's going to be like that
1: yeah i'm also in my 30s and i don't have like a uh I necessarily like need to have like an easy life either so i don't yeah, care you're single
2: right no, no I go. we have a girlfriend but you're not married you don't no, have kids no, no. Yeah. So no, exactly. You, so it's still like, like, I'm
1: fine to be, you know, grinding and stressed out about these things. Like to some degree, I like it, Yeah, but uh, it is harder.
2: Yeah. Uh, but I, we were, cause it's so funny. Cause we just did Nirvana unplugged and the set that they created uh, for the unplugged was so against what they had written. That was popular. Like they didn't do smells like teen spirit. They did, they did the songs that they could come up with a good acoustic set. And then they did weird covers by like meat puppets. Because they were trying to be like fuck you because kurt cobain is much like john freshante where he's like i'm i just want to make art and it's like how do you feel about that those people that are like you're getting into this you're making art and but you're also now you hate the fame that people love it to
1: again i think that that level of fame for anyone that's young and having it for the first time is super hard So I think that everyone makes their version of what those mistakes are. But as like I get older, I see it as weakness. Like I I think that if you, if you don't like it, you know, then don't do it or, you know, figure out some way to like rectify that in your brain. But it's also different when you're partying and doing drugs and all that stuff. Like you don't have the, you're like a mess. So it's also, you're like struggling with these things and you're a mess. Whereas you know, I kind of now like roll my eyes at people that are like that. I'm just like, yeah, I don't know, figure it out, bro. Like, and the truth is that like tortured artist worked better in the the old school where nowadays, like, you know, being an artist is like running a fucking very important business. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Fame is so fleeting for so many people that like those people just disappear. Like you don't see a lot of people that are just like the biggest guy in the world, like this hot mess and they stay there. Like, you know what I mean? Even the ones that seem like it, like take a young guy that was like 6'9 or something like that, that just seems like this constant barrel of problems and controversy and all that. It's like, at the end of the day, he, he does have his head on straight. And he's well, like, he's sort of a disciplined like person in a lot of ways. Well,
2: I mean, I think that, I think Justin Bieber was kind of, I don't think he was fighting his fame so much, but he was ruining what he had. And I think the whole, con- if he didn't like clean up, it would have turned. But again, then, that
1: was like 15 years ago.
2: No, that was...
1: Why Maybe it? not 15, but a while Yeah, ago. it's like, I feel like Light I was... have been
2: 10. 10. I'd say, I'd say 8, 10.
1: Okay. Um, but 8, 10 years ago is a lot different time than right now.
2: But I don't know of anybody that's been on the scale of Kurt Cobain.
1: They don't have people on that scale anymore. Except for, you know, the odd DJ and rapper.
2: Would you say that somebody big on TikTok, in a sense, like that black dude that's just like, mm-hmm, this is how you do it? And he fucking goes, you know what I'm talking about?
1: I mean... No I actually don't know Who you're talking but about There's that
2: black dude From like Italy That just like He shows like We have this new way To like you know Unscrew a bottle of wine And he has a weird And it's so weird And then he, fa- and so he, weird, and then he just is, like Makes a weird face I do and then know you go, who you're talking about Guy's got about like that. 300 million followers He's <laughs> yeah. like a billion followers I do know
1: who you're talking He's about He's great
2: But I'm just saying Is is he <laughs> as famous As someone like Kurt Cobain Because John Frischante's a nobody No He's just a guitarist you don't,
1: you, I, you don't know his name <laughs> you, Yeah Frusciante Most people don't even know
2: They're He Frusciante. might be somewhere
1: But the every, there was no one in the you know mid 90s who didn't know who Nirvana was the same way that you don't know there's no one right now who doesn't know who Will Smith is yeah no you're right
2: there's movies. Will <laughs> Smith had to hit somebody on the biggest show yeah there's
1: influencers like that but musicians like it's it's just everything's more decentralized now
2: Because I actually completely agree with you Ryan you're 100% right it's like to be that
1: young you know and, and getting it it's tough I mean I look back at, I'm happy that uh, I was almost like a little bit like because I'm more popular now in comedy than the band was, I would say. And like, it's kind of like not cool and good in some ways that I'm like, I went through this whole thing when I was like 20. And then, uh, you know, learned like a lot of mistakes, even like, you know, we're talking about producers and stuff like that. Like, you know, you're you're listing off like a lot of good situations where like, you know, a band started working with a producer and it made their best album ever. Like, you know, what also happens a lot? You start uh, working with a producer and he like ruins everything that was good about you because you're too young and you're not smart enough to to know how to battle and how to say no and you know what I mean? That happens like just as much. It happened
2: with my T V show. It happens with
1: TV. I, I mean that was that
2: was why this Netflix Bill Burr presents thing, it's like if they we, i mean we i didn't sign my contract until like two hours before the the we were about to record yeah because I was like i'm I'm fighting them and I, I I still couldn't get it exactly the way that i wanted it but
1: you know how to fight like you know well, how to pick your battles you know what's important you know what maybe isn't and it's like those things are all like nuance and they almost take like instincts and negotiation abilities and like confidence without being brash Yeah, and all those kind of,
2: uh, the art of war shit. Like art, you gotta yeah, like read that. No, of I, course, bro. yeah.
1: and 25 year old drug addicts that just got, became the most famous person in the world. Like you probably having a hard time with <laughs> that. <kind of> <laughs> I mean, wh- here's the thing is that I think the, the main thing
2: is as you get older and Cause I don't know what position I'd be in if I didn't have money, if I wasn't already successful. Cause when you have money, you could be like, well, I don't have to do this. Uh-huh. And that was what I basically said. I was like, I don't have to do this. Yeah. I'm fine without it. And when I started saying I'll walk away, it's a powerful thing. You yeah, know? yeah. And I mean, look uh, for Shante, you know, I didn't finish this, but what I, my understanding is, Oh wait, hold on. I want to play the fucking here's them. Here's them. Let's hear how bad he ruined the performance at, On Saturday Night Live. Okay, hold on. So, that happens then. I mean, that's, that's crazy. They take a two-week hiatus uh, between the Europe and Japanese legs, which uh, began in 92. Uh, minutes before the Chili Peppers were scheduled to perform in Tokyo, Frishante refused to go on stage saying he had quit. After half an hour of coaxing, Frishante agreed to play the show, though he said it would be his last. Kiedis recalled of the situation, it was the most horrible show <laughs> ever. Every single note, every single word hurt knowing that we were no longer a band. I kept looking over at John and seeing his dead statue of disdain
1: and that night. John, so John De- for just thought he was like too cool for school. eh? Yeah. I, I hate to say that. And I these think guys are probably leaning into being like the party. Yeah. Band. Because they've been
2: working their asses off for years, you know, finding their sound. They, they fucking make an album that finally blows up. This I is know. their, this is their fourth or fifth record. So yeah, dude, like that is, f- they want the fame. They want California
1: Cation, you know? Very uh like I don't know if ungrateful is the right word, but it is like a little like child having like a It's throwing a fit. fit. He's throwing yeah. a
2: fit. like dude, that's look. i I I've done shit that I do know. I mean when I worked on the television show, we worked on the hour uh, goddamn comedy jam and like I got to host the first part of it, just the beginning, introduce the show and then but I'm with the band. And then I basically bring up Adam Devine, and then he does his set, and then he brings up the next comic. They do it like they do at the comedy store. But I'm still up there, and I still, and I'm not a background singer. I sing. If you're going to do the show, I'll I'll help you. But that's only like if you need it, or if I'm just feeling it, and the crowd needs the energy. But they had me as this background singer, and man, I just swallowed my pride and fucking did what I had to do. Yeah. Even though I hated, and, and it started the biggest depression I'd ever had in my life. But you know, you have a job to do, and if you fail, and they suddenly, then
1: you're not going to work ever again. Like the fact that they brought him back, I mean, I get it. He might be, di- you know, I was going to say he might be different. Like, you know, might have, he might have grown up too, but then also. The first YouTube video I saw was John Frischandais shitting on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> well, here's the thing is that I know that he had horrible uh, drug addiction because after he breaks up in the band, he he just goes into like this hiding. I remember seeing a video of him um, in his... It was like an interview with some British like news station and they're asking him about like heroin and he actually shoots heroin in front of him. He looks terrible. His teeth have fallen out. He's skinny as fuck. And then... Red right actually represent has to pick up somebody else, so they pick up your homie, Dave fucking Navarro. Dave Navarro, who makes one hot minute. Yeah, fucking my friends is a great song.
1: My friends is great. Uh,
2: the one that he kisses him. Wasn't there a Kurt Cobain song on that one? I don't remember. All I remember, I, did, I barely know that record. I, I bought it for a, my sister.
1: Yeah, so we had a, a tribute to Kurt Cobain that was um...
2: warped, aeroplane, deep kick, my friends, coffee shop, pee one big mob where about tearjerker tearjerker he doesn't have a little thing about it
1: yeah tearjerker was the song that was allegedly about kurt cobain and it's uh, but it sounds like it's about a girl because he goes for last time i saw you last time you, uh um, i can't remember the fucking even melody but it goes uh the last time i saw you you were backstage in a dress a perfect mess and it it sounds like he's talking, making a love story about a girl. But it's it really about, about Kurt Cobain who was backstage in a dress. I mean, here, time I saw you. Here's the deal. One odd minute. You're sitting backstage if, in a dress. That was it.
2: If you look how, if you look at how big this record was, is it Rick Rubin's production? Yes. Is it Anthony Kiedis singing finally and finding some sort of like, like structure in his voice? Yes. But for Shantae, changed the band enough with the way that he played and with the production of Rick Rubin and the songwriting that that Flea and, and Anthony, all of them are doing, they figured out their sound. So the band has to continue on. They have, this is their biggest record so far. They finally broke through. So then to have Dave Navarro come out, you know, that makes sense. He's a part of Jane's Addiction. He was yeah. a cool dude. Kind of fits in their Hollywood image. Guy. Well, yeah, he's like, but he fits in that like sexy like because he doesn't want to wear a shirt. Yeah. And then they realize, they're like, yeah, this isn't going to work. If Rashante wants to come back, he gets sober. That's when you have Californication, which I already talked about on this podcast, uh, which, which Big J called it California Queef Rock.
1: Yeah, Californication was probably where I checked out a little. But
2: that, I'll, but I'll be honest, I actually like Californication. I,
1: I think, think Around if you're gonna, the World if
2: you're gonna, was, there, was but Yeah, but if you're going to stack like their, their, their albums, I'm going to put... Fucking blood sugar sex magic up top. Then I'll put California Cation. Then I'll put by the way. And then I'll put the one because here's what's here's dude. I got two different stories about this record. Yeah,
1: by the way, I just remember that was just like pure like songs I hear on the radio that I'm just like next. Yeah, but but they <laughs> but you got
3: standing in line to
1: see the girl
2: tonight and there's a light on. Oh. Yeah, it
1: was not a film. heavy
2: glow. I like
1: that dude. Jump back. Then he gets in the get slap back. Also, that shit was that shit coming out was also in line uh, happening like at the same time that I was becoming going through my too cool for school phases. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was like getting into the all the punk stuff. In my mind, I was into the hippest music ever and they represented like kind of mainstream garbage to me at the time.
2: But, but here's the deal, dude. This is this comes out in 1991. I mean, uh Faith No More is kind of in that air, in that vein you mentioned them earlier of yeah. like of like funk and punk and rock and and hip hop. Yeah, very much like Red Hot Chili Peppers. I think Frushante probably would have enjoyed being in Faith No More more than he would have been in Red Hot Chili Peppers cuz they still kept it very right. artistic. Well, there
1: is there's like anything. It's like these movements sort of get created, right? And there was a lot of kind of bands getting popular, almost flirting with the rap rock idea. Right. Yeah. And then rap rock became the biggest thing in the world. And it was like, well, okay these bands that were like kind of a bit of rap rocky it's like okay well now every band is like a rap rock band so it's like there was nothing almost uh unique about that yeah and then they went the other way where they're like okay well we'll be like a big mainstream radio yeah. where i put yeah. them in the category of like a foo fighters or whatever i know it's not different but i just they, i contextualize what they do in that kind of realm where i don't care red
2: actually peppers is a stadium band now they can play a stadium Easily. Oh, I think yeah. easily play I think so. stadium. Yeah, I don't I think you really, um, wouldn't do
1: that at all. I, I
2: think this is the album that, in a sense, propelled them to that. So, I, I like I, what I, what cal, no, 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 they were playing, to, were they California no, Cation. No, 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 but they were they were playing their bit. Like, I think and this is what I really want to say. Probably why I think for Shante hated it is because of something like Under the Bridge. Because if Under the Bridge, isn't on this record. I doubt we're talking about on the list. I doubt the chili peppers.
1: That was the big hit. That's yeah. the
2: hit. Give it away is great. Give it away. Them doing that live with cock socks, which uh, we, I did cock Sox with Bert Kreischer at the goddamn <laughs> comedy gym. It's funny. We Bert had done the show one time prior. He did a creed song. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, dude, we did it higher. It was, dude, it was magical. Um, and then it's, when is this? This is he did another thing in Ashless Chaps. Oh, he did Plush on the week of uh, Scott Weiland dying, and then in 2016 we had our two year anniversary of the Jam at the Roxy. It was our first show at the Roxy. Burr, Ron White, Margaret Cho, Harlan Williams, Burt Kreischer.
1: Nice.
2: It's a great lineup. It's completely sold out. And Bert's like, I want to do give it away, but I want to do cock socks, and we're like, of course, dude, you <laughs> should do hilarious. it. That's yeah. your hilarious. Your body, and he goes, No, I want all of us to do it.
1: Did you guys all do it?
2: Come on, dude. Yeah. It was liberating. I, we all, he brought in a shirt. Did fall off? Yeah. I was going to get to that. So, (laughs) so me, Joel, Nick, uh, Jeremiah Watkins, um, who else? Jay, our violinist. Uh, Jay was like a short dude. We all put the cock socks. We all have tape and we all have rubber bands and we put the cock socks on. And Jay's, Jay's a tiny dude, man. He's like five, four, five, five. Um, and he we fired him from the band because he's a fucking hand job he almost ruined the show but when we did cock socks his dick was so small there's a picture like <laughs> it could barely stay on dude it could barely. he had his he had his balls and his dick for me it was like it was great I, i'll post the pictures of it it was one of the my favorite things we've ever done at the jam um and then i brought up margaret cho wearing the cock sock there's this great picture of me and my right. ass out um, funny story is Burr was in this still process of dressing up like drummers. And I think he was dressed up like, uh, Steven Adler from guns N' roses okay. and and Bert. We're all putting our cock socks on and like Burr looks over at Bert and he's dressed in the full costume and he's like, God, you guys look ridiculous. And we all just turn and like point at him and he's just like, he's like fair <laughs> fair enough. You're that's, You're right. No, I shouldn't have said that. Um, and the other thing, and I'll give it this up under the bridge is a special song for me because when, you know, you know, I got in that car accident in 2012, my buddy yeah. Angelo dies. I get into crippling opiate addiction from January until May. And in May I tell a friend cause I was running out of money and I just tell a friend how bad it is. And she's like, I'm going to help you get sober. And so the first day I'm, I'm not on, she brings me like fresh juice. says, go do this, go do that you know, you have to get your car fixed. So go do that. So I'm trying to just battle through the day. I go to like six AA meetings the next day. She tells me to go to a spa and I go to this spa called Beverly hot springs. It got natural spring water saunas and I just go there and just sweat the toxins out. And, and dude, I get out of that, um, spa. And it's like, at first I feel fine, still like shitty from the detox, but then it just starts hitting me. And Later that night, I had to do a set opening for Lunel. Do you know Lunel, that big fat... You know, she's like... I hate to say big fat. The black comic, she's kind of like overweight. She played the prostitute in Borat. You know what I'm talking about? She's playing at UC Northridge. And I feel horrible. And for some reason, I don't know if I put it on because I was going through opiate detox, I put on Under the Bridge. And I just started listening to, to Red Hot Chili Peppers. But specifically, like this... Uh, The record that came out after like Danny California, which is like the new one that they had the guy Jeff Klickenhawker. He was the dude that played that was like the roadie that became the guitarist. But I listen to this song over and over and over and over again. And then I drive to the fucking show and I feel horrible, man. And I go into... The school, and this is like, I need this money, dude. It's $1,000, I gotta do 20 minutes. Uh, it's packed, just kids everywhere they in the student union. I've I've never felt worse. I mean, like literally, like five minutes before I walked into the show, I was in my car crying to, under the bridge. Like weeping, just like, <laughs> I just, and it's like- I, I, I don't
1: ever wanna be Like, like <laughs> I, dude, it's just, it's exactly
2: what I was going through. It's in LA, it's happening in Los Angeles. I went to downtown LA to buy drugs. The song felt like it was written about me. I didn't shoot it like he did, but you know, if, it's it's it really does it really does capture what it feels like to be an opiate or like a heroin addict yeah. that song and the music video everything about it and i go in and i talk to the lady that booked me and she's like so you're gonna go up uh, before luna we have the host and you're just gonna do 20 minutes and we'll light you from the back and i'm like okay and i go i go where's the green room because i need to lay down i don't feel well. I have, like food poisoning and she goes oh you're in it and we're in a hallway yeah and yeah, i yeah. just go okay I'm gonna lay here on the floor, just nudge me when it's like two minutes away from me to go up. And I just lay on the ground in the fetal position and they nudge me and they're like, yeah, like 15, 20 minutes later or whatever. And I go on stage. I don't think I've ever killed Harder in my fucking, I could have given a shit what (laughs) I said, what they thought about me. It was just like, I just wanted to finish the set and get home. And I, I did great. Lunell is fucking like blown away. She's happy. I say goodbye to her, and then I leave. And I get back in my car, and I put on fucking Under the Bridge. And I just back to back, (laughs) back to back, dude. So look, I I think this record is important for many, many reasons. I think it's I think it's important because you know this came out in 1991, and like I said, the only band that I could even think about that's making music like this is Faith No More. Yeah, and I don't even know if
1: Faith No More. Had already released the real thing. They were almost a little. That guy did his own weird walk when he was rapping in his videos, eh? I uh, don't do. Don't, don't, do not. He did a bit of a weird walk as well. Do not <laughs> say anything bad. Do you ba- know what I'm talking Mike, about?
2: Mike Patton. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mike Patton. He, did a weird he's, walk. he can do no wrong.
1: Dude, he is a fucking musical genius. We are lucky. That was one of those bands that I kind of found out about late, like even later, later. Like I never really got deep into the those bands. Same with like. Fugazi and Black Flag and all that stuff. I, I almost was, you know, well out of high school when I fa- started liking that kind of stuff.
2: So Faith No More's uh, the real thing came out in nineteen eighty nine. So Angel Dust, which is a much more rich, mature record, came out in ninety two. So like a year after this. So really, I don't even know if if Faith No More is the contemporary with this record. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I guess so
1: what other bands would you put in that you know there's always kind of like movements right what what would be the other bands you would say was kind of part of the chili peppers kind of thing (sighs) like I can picture other bands where like the energy was similar and you know the youth and the Hollywood like but they weren't you know if you know how comics you you'd package comics together where you're like oh it's the there's these four comics or that kind of thing or here's the alt comics or whatever right like at the time who was, you know, another uh, group of... Ba- uh, who would be their grouping or their class? I don't know. No That's, I was trying
2: to think of who I think that Faith would Faith No More be. is the closest I think Faith, God. yeah. Maybe it is Faith No More. I, I they
1: just were think- just kind of part of the alternative rock thing to some degree, too. With, yeah. You know, Pearl Jam and those bands, even though they're not similar... They were just. But, 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 and I'm not going to say that Faith and War didn't have a song like Under the Bridge. They had, they like
2: Zombie Eaters. They had a bunch I of songs. Slow- I but
1: I can't have it or whatever. That's the big yeah, one. Yeah. But,
2: right? but there's, but that's, but that's closer to, to this and to that, Rage Against the, I think that's closer to Rage where Against
1: where like, the Machine. Like, put it. Had it up to here. But, <laughs> wasn't that the...
2: That's right actually peppers. No,
1: God, I want it all, but uh, I that's. Can't uh, have, have, have you it. seen it?
2: Seen it? What, <laughs> today, I mean, that's you, from yeah, I've never seen But, but for, doesn't
1: that sound like it could be a red chili yes, song? Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Under the bridge. Under the bridge. Let's see how big this song is. Uh, the band's highest-charting single, peaking at number two on the Billboard Hot 100, and was certified platinum. It was the second single released from the record six months after it debuted. Uh, this is the second most performed Red Hot Chili Peppers song. So wait, what's number one? Huh. Probably,
1: probably one of their like
2: California California Cation. Yeah, like <laughs> no,
1: it's it's my friends. <laughs> my friends. The- Did you know P? It was it was just flea uh, by himself, and he goes, "I'm a little P, and I can fuck your shit up." It's just P. It's a uh, Flee singing by himself is very weird. Uh,
2: look, if you you know before I get into crazy facts about this, like if you look at the singles, give it away, under the bridge, suck my kiss, breaking the girl. If you have to ask, because they're all great songs, but I I think the music video for give it away, <laughs> cock socks, all that shit, and under the bridge of that th- that's those two things together. It showed they can fucking rock and they're crazy, but then they also can write. A really powerful song. Yeah. Under the bridge is a powerful song.
1: That's, yeah, put them in that another category. All
2: right, filler facts about this. Blood Sugar Sex Magic was dedicated to Minuteman, Firehouse bassist Mike Watt. It's my buddy. Well, he did my podcast, but I have his email address. Does that make us friends? Best friends. Fucking forever. Before the Blood Sugar Sex Magic Tour began, Kiedis saw the music video for the Smashing Pumpkins' Rhinoceros on MTV. He called the band's manager and asked him to accommodate the Smashing Pumpkins for the tour. Several days after the Pumpkins confirmed they would accompany the Chili Peppers, former Chili Peppers drummer Jack Irons called and asked the band to allow his friend's new group, Pearl Jam, to open for them on the forthcoming tour. The Chili Peppers' popularity blew up to the point that shows had to be moved from theaters to arenas, The promoters wanted a bigger band than Pearl Jam to open because of that. Kiedis reached out to Nirvana drummer Dave Grohl, and he confirmed they'd do it, but Billy Corgan didn't want to play on the same bill as Nirvana because he once dated Courtney Love, Kurt Cobain's Girlfriend slash wife, so Pearl Jam stayed on the bill, and the Pumpkins bowed out. Isn't that crazy?
1: That is crazy. That's
2: are some of the most iconic bands in the history of music. So I think
1: I was to some degree right when I said that. Really, the like categorization is they were kind of part of that alternative scene, even though they didn't necessarily sound like that. Totally. Because if you look at who they're touring with, it's the, yeah, the Pumpkins and Nirvana, right? Pearl Jam, like.
2: I mean, there. I think you
1: got to put. Pretty good guess for me. I Pearl think you. Jam. I think you. Yeah. <laughs> I think you've got to put. Red Hot Chili
2: Peppers in biggest bands of the 90s. Oh, of course. For sure. I, I think that I think that but it starts here. It takes a dip with your fucking favorite album and then it <laughs> slowly then and then from that they get Franté back and they continue the sound of this, but a much more
1: pop centralized. All the guitar riffs like for on all the new albums were just doom. But you <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, <it's like> every... <laughs> well it used to be the bass doing that but like
1: they never had the, the this new thing that they started doing where the bass and the guitar just kind of both play the same riff it's like it used to be the bass doing that and the guitar doing almost like funky uh like just nothing right and then it turned into like the bass and guitar in unison were like do do, 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 do. Do,
2: do, do, That's their sound, dude. <laughs> the unison yeah, sound. But
1: it was the guitar matching the bass that I think that I I, I liked when that wasn't happening.
2: Funny fact: Chad Smith's middle name is Gaylord. <laughs> That's a nice Chad name. Gaylord Smith. <laughs> and, and Flea's real name is
1: Michael. My middle name Balzac.
2: Is straight, Balzary. Dude, Balzary. Michael Balz. I thought I'd get a laugh on that. Balzac. Um, all right, here I asked these. Uh, let me see. I want to wait. I asked the, um, I asked Twitter if they would if they had any questions for you. All right, here we go. Here we go. This is from this is from Steve. His handles at that's so Raiden. Do you think, do you think long haired Anthony Kiedis from the nineties is effeminate enough to make love to and not be considered a homosexual
1: act? No, no. He's as much as he is like to some degree feminine. He's also. You know this like jacked gym dude. Yeah, dude. Like he's not a pussy. He's not a pussy. He's just a little emo. Who could win in a
2: fight, uh, Flea or Anthony Kiedis?
1: Probably Flea is pretty scrappy.
2: Who could win in a fight, Anthony Kiedis or Dave Navarro? Your favorite.
1: I feel like I've got to say Anthony Kiedis loses again, but he also, it, they all seem like fighters. Like all these guys seem pretty evil You think Dave Navarro can fight? Yeah. Don't you think he's kind of like a bar fighty guy a little bit? He might be small. I think I, I he know. hits.
2: I think he hits yeah, weird. Yeah, Dave Navarro
1: might be really small. So Kiedis over Navarro.
2: I think, I think Kiedis beats up everybody. I think he can even beat up Chad Smith.
1: Flea might be small too, but Flea just strikes me as scrappy. I Here's who I think. I think I would
2: say Chad Smith is a big boy is, is a big dude that could whoop ass for Shante. He's got no weight on him because he's doing heroin for years. so He's Uh got bones. He just got bone structure. Uh, Flea moves a lot, and he's very athletic. But I think Anthony Kiedis is like—I don't know his like we didn't have a breakdown on like what his like family life was like. But I'm assuming it's like you he, don't
1: know what his family life. He wrote that very famous book, his number one bestseller on his all this stuff. His dad was a Hollywood guy, got him to fuck a prostitute when he was like twelve. All this like wild shit like that. He wrote a very—I uh, think it was called—I think it's Scar Tissue—but it was a very, very like. Humble braggy book did you read it i probably read like half of it on a vacation and <laughs> i didn't i don't really like that stuff It just to me it, I, I, it felt very like he was like being vulnerable in a way that like was f- fake almost to me i i felt yeah. like it just felt like kind of uh performative to some degree like and it's also it's it Again, maybe I was just like being a hater or something, but to me it just felt like, shut up. It's like your your buddy like, oh, you know, and I was just so down and out and I just had to fuck these nine supermodels and, you know. Yeah. And, and then I, you know, I got back on heroin, but... I really loved this other girl and I was sitting there with 12 girls in the bed, but I was, you know, my mind was still in love with fucking Mary. And it was just like, I don't know, a lot of that kind of stuff where it just felt like kind of bragging, but it's like in under the guise of, you know, like being vulnerable.
2: I, I think, I think Keitas has, you know, whereas Frushante was too cool for school, but it was more about the art about what he wanted to make and the fame he was afraid of. But I think think Anthony Keene is is that guy that wants the fame, but it's also like,
1: well, now that he's got it, he's too cool for school. Yeah, and he wants people to think he's like deeper than he is almost.
2: I mean, he's like, you can hear in my lyrics, man. Bubba gum shrimp and we get to the (laughs) pimp. Pimps and hoes down we nose.
1: Everyone just wants, yeah, people to think that there's something more dimensional than what they actually are seeing as. There's not. There's not just, I just <laughs> yeah. like, I just like fucking and
2: singing. That's all I yeah. like doing, and that's what my act is. No, that's but what's... yeah,
1: everyone, wa- everyone, you know, the same reason why everyone like they want everyone to think they're smart. After you know, musicians, they want you to think you're funny, and then once they do think they're funny, they're like, oh, I want you to think that I'm like a deep emotional thinker. Yeah, it's like it, that's the Same as comics they need everyone to think they're smart. <laughs>
2: <laughs> not me. I'm an yeah, idiot. I don't everybody. Building I'm
3: smart.
1: All right,
2: I ask every guest these questions. Okay, okay. Favorite song from the record? "Suck My Kiss,"
1: but, or sorry, mine's uh, my second favorite. Uh, "Mellowship," "Slinky," and "B Major" is my favorite. But I think I still think "Suck My Kiss" is better. I think something about that song is just—it's almost like my uh, hipster favorite, I guess. Okay. My real favorite, "Suck My Kiss," and my hipster favorite
2: is that one. The deep cut. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm under the bridge. I I think this is the best song on it. I hate to be the
1: one that's just pulling out their biggest hit, but I, I just. I think it's great. Well, that's a big one for you. I I, I didn't like... Again, I wasn't around when that came out, so it was like, oh, this song from before, and I never really thought it was that cool.
2: I think I can open the goddamn comedy jam with it. I think I can... I think the chorus is big enough that they would fucking sing the shit out of it, and I could just make up the lyrics, you know, like... you know, I'm walking the street because I need a hall pass. A schooly Yeah, dude, I'm not kidding
1: you. I probably have more affinity towards the Weird Al version than I do towards the original. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah, listen to it. <laughs> it's about the Flintstones.
2: <laughs> and Fred and Thelma and the God is on and their And you're feet. also
1: dealing with like, yo, know, you're being this drug addict in Hollywood. It's like, you know, I was a, at the time when I was finding out about that, I was a, Thirteen-year-old skateboard kid, like I wasn't like, oh man, this speaks to me. Like, no, no, I get it. Look, it's none of that. It's, it's. I didn't even I, know it was about drug addict. Probably at the time. I just think <laughs> I'd listen, I
2: listen. I think about what I. When you take away from this album, it's like, and I've listened to it and listened to it over the last week, and I still just go back to humming "Under the Bridge." Yeah, it's the one song that like is a full. It's so different than everything that's on the record. It's so beautiful. It's so passionate. I, and I think it's. I think there's a reason why it's.
1: Whereas it's, cool guys like me, like, Good
3: God, <laughs> <I> what <wanna laughs> All right, what's your,
2: what's your least favorite song on the record?
1: Under the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have a. a I don't think I can pick one that's my least favorite. I think you start because getting- the least favorite ones. There's like probably five or six that are kind of like maybe generic funk, but I yeah. still like it.
2: Yeah. No, I'm listening. I'm not going to say it. I didn't, there's nothing on this record that I disliked, but when it started getting passed under the bridge, I, I think I just started losing interest.
1: I like, guess. Yeah. That, that used to be albums back in the day where it would be like, I don't know if I need to listen to track eight through 14. Yeah. You put the first seven on and then switch the album. <laughs> I mean, I could say
2: the red hot. It's like, they have that thing at the end, that minute, like they, they are not be Whatever. All right. Two is a two part question. Uh, what song on this record, uh, would you fuck to suck my kiss.
1: <laughs> nice. No, um, blood sugar, sex, magic is a good fucking song. I think you I think, I think, uh, I think
2: you can fuck to definitely like under the bridge. You could
1: suck my kids. It just depends on how you're fucking like you can, I think like the second part of the question is give it away is a good, uh, like if you're a swinger song and you're like, someone else is fucking your wife. And yeah, say dude. It away.
2: Is this a fuckable record? Could you just put this on right from the beginning and, and have sex to it?
1: I wouldn't, but you could, yes. Do you put records like that on and have sex?
2: Right now, I stay in the realm of Massive Attack, Portishead, Head. The Cure made its way in there for a little bit. Interesting. But The Cure, Depeche Mode, 100% you can fuck too. Uh, but the
1: cure But the not pro- rap You don't fuck the rap
2: No But I have asked uh, A-L-E-X-A If she could play Like You know Sex music And there's like Fucking playlists it's Generally that are, like, rap that Generally are like-
1: sex music is, Rap music Is like A guy telling you That he'd fuck your girl Better than you
2: <laughs> Yeah I don't want that I want sad Depression Deftones It's
1: a guy being like My 12 inch dick I put it in your chick And you go I don't know if this is helping <laughs> um this drake, was great. i guess drake is the probably the biggest uh, you can fuck to drake for sure but biggest, i, I uh, think
2: but i think i think this is a fuckable record i just think it's i think it's a fuckable record. i think
1: you could fuck to this
2: um uh this was great dude promote away anything you want to promote
1: uh yeah i'm going on tour uh like 25 dates so uh ryan i have a podcast called the boys cast with ryan long and i release a video every monday at youtube.com slash ryan
2: yeah check it out everybody ryan is you're you're so so funny i love your man in the street shit dude thanks it's it's great you're gonna get stabbed one day (laughs) you're gonna get stabbed
1: (laughs) i actually my i'm less crazy now than i used to be i feel like my gonna get stabbed days were more without like when i was doing this when i was 20. dude you're going to Times square
2: like there's <laughs> just it's just like we like really thick like you yeah, know phone, type of just phone something book. dude there's so many crazy people out there dude <laughs> but i mean fuck if you can survive it that'll only fucking
1: that would be a big one that'll yeah. boost your profile dude i know but i hope that does not happen it's not gonna happen don't
2: worry, <laughs> don't worry. um this is great
1: fuck yeah dude
2: What I tell you, what I tell you, the one and only Ryan Long. Follow him on all social media, at Ryan Long Comedy. Listen to his podcast, The Boys Cast. And for all things Ryan, go to his website, RyanLongComedy.com. All right, we just listened to Red Hot Chili Peppers from 1991. You're listening to Milky Chance. They say John Frusciante was a big influence on him. Oh, it's a good song. The song's called Colorado off their 2020 album, Trip Tape. Find the links the500podcast.com that's where we post everything and if you want your song played on the podcast send it to us to 500podcast at gmail.com we'll play all of them guys alright next week clear water, yeah Fugle Moogles uh, we're doing Willie and the Proud Boys uh, I've been listening I really like this dig it dig it have a swig it I thought
3: that we were evergreen Never-ending dream, never been on the TV. Sketch me off of your CV, out of your mind, out of your mind. Never been so uneasy. Jealousy got me freaky, out of my mind. So I get high like. all by myself I'm wide awake and I just wonder how you put my heart back on the shelf, on the shelf. well I'ma be alone enough never been on the TV sketch me off of your CV out of your mind, out of your mind never been so uneasy jealousy got me freaky out of my mind so I get high like color.
0: in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Hey, this is Scott from Fly on the Call. Each week, I speak to a different musician. Whether they're in an established band like Silverstein or The Wonder Years, or a band on the rise like Spanish Love Songs, Origami Angel, or Meet Me at the Altar, we discuss music and lyrics, the successes and challenges of being in a band, and more as we get to the core of each artist. The show features musicians of diverse genres and backgrounds, so there's always a chance I'll be talking to your new favorite band. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.
0: Next Chapter Podcasts